If it, I'm not going to stay here, but that's where I'm going to start out. We've got a great day today. We've got a brother and a sister that we're going to baptize into our church. As soon as, this more, as soon as I get done preaching, we'll get ready for that. And then this afternoon, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And that's the proper order. That is the way it is to be done. So we've got a lot to do. We've got to get, get it done. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. A vocation is a calling. So he says, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. This is to the church at Ephesus. The assembly at Ephesus, not some universal invisible monstrosity that, that does not exist, and certainly not a universal invisible monstrosity that does not exist, but a local visible assembly of people who have been saved and scripturally baptized and joined together to carry out the Great Commission, the commandments of the Lord. So forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, a bond of peace. Let me get you this while, while I'm there. He didn't say, well now you pastors have got to get your churches in unity. It's not up to me to get this church in unity. If it's the Lord's church then the Holy Spirit indwells in that assembly and unity is there because the Holy Spirit is there. That happened on the day of Pentecost. We'll get to that in just a minute. So it's not our job to get a church into unity. If it is a church, it has unity. What our job is to endeavor to keep the unity. <laughs> We can't get it here. We can't put it here. That's done by the Holy Spirit of God, the thrice holy God, the third person of the thrice holy God. But what our job is to keep the unity of the Spirit, and that would be in the bond of peace. Peace enables us to keep the unity of the Spirit. Not fussing and fighting, not Cults, not schisms in the church. Can't have that. Got to have one assembly in unity. He says, now, there is one body. Here's, this is all about one here. See, he said unity. That's one. Many one. That, that establishes this context. One. Unity. Verse 4, there's one body. Now he's not talking about some universal invisible body. He's talking about the body of Christ at this location. This local visible body. One spirit. That would be the third person of the triune Godhead. God the Holy Spirit. 
one hope of your calling, or even as you're called, in one hope of your call, calling, <clears throat> Brother Bill Gazee's got a wonderful track on that, that we're all to be here, united in this one assembly, because we have had a like experience of grace with the Lord. Regardless of who we are, what color we are, where we came from, what language we speak, whatever. If we're here and the Lord has added you to this assembly, we are all to have the same testimony of salvation. We didn't get saved many different ways. There's only one way to be saved. One faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in you all. One. There's the subject. We've just been one. And there's one baptism. Not many. Brother Brown, in one of his articles, very succinctly states that all of those other baptisms they talk about are fake. There's one baptism. Now look over at the book of Acts. The book of Acts in chapter 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now that's Luke writing there. Until the day in which he was taken up. Now, it might be interesting that word taken up in verse 2 is also used in verse 11, which is Jesus, which is taken up from you, and also used in verse 22, that same day that he was taken up from us. Anorambano in the Greek. Anybody want to know that's what the word is? It's the same word in all, all cases. So he was taken up from us. After that he through the Holy Ghost, ghost and spirit are synonyms. There are different words that say the same thing. In the Greek, there's only one word, pneumatikos, or a version of that word, from pneuma, and it is rendered Holy Ghost, and Holy Spirit in various places by the translators. But it never is anything different. A lot of these uh, holiness groups, they try to make something different. Oh, did you get the Holy Ghost? No, that ain't the Holy Spirit. No, that's speaking out of your ignorance. That's what it is. Because you don't know what they're talking about. It's only one word. It's the same word. But they are synonyms. So, 
the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen at a time before this. He went, he called, went into a mountain and prayed all night in Luke 6. And of the disciples he chose, elected, picked, twelve. That's what he's talking about, whom he had chosen. And he set some in the church first, apostles. No, he did not start the church on the day of Pentecost. The kind of church that Jesus built was built beginning when he called out his his apostles and he appointed them, ordained them, and set them in his assembly. And for many months, there were 12 members plus the Lord. 12 apostles. And that's all that was in that assembly. Now, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. The word passion refers to his death, suffering and death, and burial on the cross of Calvary. And 72 hours later, not from Friday to Sunday morning, but from Wednesday afternoon to Saturday evening, 72 hours, his, he was resurrected. By the, by the glory of the Father, the eternal Spirit, and by himself. And by many, infallible. Now see, we get infallible, we use the word infallible. But it is it with reference to the word of God, to our Lord. Not in reference to a pope. But hundreds of millions of people in this world, they refer to the Pope as being infallible when he sits in the in, uh, ex-cathedra, the chair, so-called chair of Peter in the Vatican in Rome. No, he ain't infallible. He's as big a liar there as he is everyplace else. Being seen of them 40 days, that is his apostles except for Judas, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Well, what is this about the kingdom of God? The, the, the range of his kingdom and his disciples and those who serve him. Amen. <clears throat> and being assembled together with them. You see, an assembly has to assemble or it's not much of an assembly. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. That is, the first members of the first church of Jerusalem. Now what kind of church would you call that? You might want to name it by the baptism that they had. Which would be John the Baptist's baptism. He said, we're just playing with words. Oh, no. Absolutely not. Give me another name. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And Jesus called him the Baptist before he ever baptized anybody. 
But he said, don't leave Jerusalem. He's already got a church established. But he said, wait for the promise of the Father, saith he, you have heard of me. You've heard me talk about the promise of the Father. For John, notice he didn't say John the baptizer. That's his name is John, son of Zacharias. John truly baptized. Now, that word means immersion, submerge, plunge under. There are books written by that, about that word, baptizo, baptizane, various forms of the same word, baptizo, and that would be I submerge. That means if, it, if there's any church out, so-called church out there, that if they sprinkle, they don't baptize. If they pour, they don't baptize. Now, we've got many other reasons that they don't either. But just on this one point, baptize means immerse, all right? Now, that word with, twice used in that verse, in the Greek, it is epsilon nu. That would be an. Which translated into English would be I-N-N. I don't know why the King James translators did that. They were all Episcopalian. They had their, their orders from King James as they were translated. We love the King James, but it is a translation. And so why did they put with instead of and because they did it about Totally. Well, if you're trying to make a case, John didn't necessarily immerse them. He sprinkled them because he just said in water. They could have been trying to make a case for that, which was not true because the, the word was in. <clears throat> but ye shall be baptized in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. One of these are apostles. And we know from the rest of this chapter that they all had the one baptism, John the Baptist's baptism. Because when they go to select a, a replacement for Judas, where did they have to begin? At the baptism of John. If they're going to get somebody to fill the office that Judas fell from, they had to have somebody that had John's baptism. All right. Anyway, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Without this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. That's her old Jewish flesh talking. And Jesus said unto them, It's not for you to know the times of the seasons 
which the Father had put in his own power. He didn't say that, that he wasn't going to restore a kingdom. He said it's not for you to know. But here's what I want you to know is what Jesus says. Ye, you all, collectively, as they constitute the assembly of the Lord, not individually, you all shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you all shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now. That is the purpose. Of the events. That occurred on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says so. So how do you know that? I read verse 8. That's how I know that. And it means what it says. It says what it means. And it certainly doesn't need Dr. Hogjaws to tell you what it means. Now, let's go on here. Verse uh, 15, Peter stood up in those midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120 names together. This church started out with 11. And in this 10-day prayer meeting, it looks like about 109 folks have been added to them. No, there wasn't a church started on the day of Pentecost. You can't add to something that doesn't exist. So now we got a big crowd here. And then he says, he talks about Judas. They got to pick a replacement. Uh, Verse 21. Now, verse 20. For it's written in the book of Psalms. Let his habitation be desolate. No man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. That's his office. Judas did not fall from salvation. He fell from his office. You might even compare Saul. But at any rate, he fell from his office. His office needed to be filled. Because there are 12 apostles. So he says, wherefore, verse 21, of these men which have accompanied with us, all, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, that would be the whole three or better years of Jesus' public ministry. At the outset of his ministry, that's when he begins calling after the temptation. That's when he begins calling out his apostles and setting them in the church. So his whole ministry was not designed to feed the world spiritually. It was designed to feed his flock, his church, his assembly. And so all of these things, the Sermon on the Mount, those things were written to his church members. They don't apply to the world at large. 
They don't even apply to Christianity at large, which I don't know how I should call it that. Everything that, that roosts under the umbrella of Christianity. Anyway, it says verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So there is the purpose of the apostleship to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that's one of those, those uh, uh, figures of speech which a part deter, uh, determines the whole. He says resurrection, but that includes he died for our sins according to scripture, was buried, and arose again the third day. The resurrection is complete. Talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had a question the other day. Said somebody in another church asked, if you knew that somebody was going to die in 10 minutes, what would you say to them? They're all trying to, well, I'd tell them to get this ready and do this. For one that knows the scriptures, there's not but one thing from a standpoint of the word of God that we can tell somebody regardless of how soon they're going to die. And that is to preach the gospel to them, tell them where they are, why they need the gospel, and what the gospel is. That's all we can do. So, well, you, you can't get them that quick. I can't get them however quick. I can't bring them into the kingdom of God. I don't care how long I've got. If I've got if I've got six months to talk to them, the only thing I can tell them that that will benefit them is to preach the gospel to them and make sure they understand that they're lost and on their way to hell because of their sin. And the only remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ that He died. For your sins according to scripture. Was buried and rose again the third day. All according to scripture. There's nothing else to tell. You can't give them a sob story. That's not going to help them. You say well. How you know you're going to get them saved. I don't know I'm going to get. I ain't going to get anybody saved. Salvation is of the Lord. It took Jonah. 72 hours in the whale's belly. To find that out. Salvation is of the Lord. And they appointed to Joseph called Barsabbas, Justice, last name, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Hell is a place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, you don't need any more evidence than that, that God chose Matthias to replace Judas. He was numbered with the eleven apostles. I heard some guys, oh, no, we go over here and we find. No, you got to let the Word of God say what it says, and you don't make the Word of God contradict itself. It doesn't. 
contradict itself. Anyway, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Up to this point, we have about 120 names. And that's all that's involved in this. The whole crowd is not involved. They're not even there yet. They're just filtering in. But all of this is about the church that Jesus built. And when we hear about Holy Spirit baptism, it has nothing to do with an individual. You listen to your Charles Stanley's and all the rest of those heretics, they'll tell you that baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you get saved. And they don't know what they're talking about. The Holy Spirit baptism was a one-time event. It was on the church that Jesus built. And it ain't never been repeated. It never will be repeated. How many times did God put his seal of approval on the tabernacle? One time. How many times did he put his seal of approval on the temple? One time. And in that same pattern, that same vein, on the church, which is now the temple of God. He put his seal of approval and empowerment upon the church one time on the day of Pentecost. And you hear these so-called advantages. Oh, we're praying for another Pentecost. It ain't going to happen. They even hear some say, I'm praying for the baptism of fire. You go right ahead. I don't want it. That's talking about hell. So well, it fired on each one of them. No, 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 no. Read what it says. It says, there appeared unto them Cloven tongues like as a fire. And sat upon each of them. Each of them was the church members. And they began to speak with other. Gloso is the Greek word. Languages. Amen. Tongue means language. And here's the reason why. He says. They, uh, verse 5. There were dwelling at Jerusalem. Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together. Now comes the big crowd. And we're confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Well, what's the problem here? Well, they were, all, they, they were uh, Galileans. We hear uh, Parthians, Medes, verse 9. Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians. How many different languages you got there? How are you going to preach the gospel to all them people? Can't happen. Can't happen. But the Lord worked a miracle in the tongue of some of those church members. And they began to preach the gospel 
in languages that they had never learned. Now, you think that's not a miracle? If you don't think that's a miracle, you've never tried to learn to speak another language. Let me tell you a humbling experience. is being in a place and you're the only one who speaks English and you don't speak what they're speaking. You think it's not rough to try to communicate? We'd go in and uh, Bulgaria or some ridiculous place an old Ed Scaff would go in a bank or a store and say, Hey! Anybody in here speak English? And sometimes we'd just go on out because nobody said anything. And every now and then, you, uh, a little bit. And we'd try to communicate like that. What are you going to do? I think that's a pretty smart way to do it. Anyway, these are languages. It is demonic. It is satanic. For these people, and there's even so-called Baptists that think they do it, get all full of baloney, rolling, rocking, and rolling, and all that. And blah, 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 Oh, look how spiritual. Speaking in tongues. No, you're speaking demons language. That's what, that's what the prophets of Baal did on Mount Carmel. It's exactly what they did. Prophets of peep and mutter Isaiah talk about. Anyway, they were all amazed. All right, so I don't have time to do it, but chapter verse 14, the apostle Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. He begins to talk about the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel the prophet. And then he says, uh, verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now whosoever doesn't mean that everybody in the whole world is going to do it. Whosoever means Jew or Gentile, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord in faith shall be saved. Well, why would he say? Because the Jews needed to hear that. Amen. They needed to understand that they no longer have a monopoly. Never did. Thought they had a monopoly on God. They no longer do. Whosoever. And you know what Jesus did? He, he by object illustration, proved that after Nicodemus in John chapter 3, the very next one he went to was the old, dirty, filthy Samaritan woman at the well. Only she went away saved and Nicodemus didn't. Anyway, look back here now. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, you men of Israel. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders. Why did Jesus work the miracles that he did? That it might accredit him that he was who he said he was, was from God. His miracles proved it. His miracles and wonders proved it. Which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. 
That's what he did. God did that by him. Now, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That doesn't mean that God looked back here and just knew about it. I hear people say, I believe God knows what's going to happen. Folks, God knows what's going to happen because God has ordained everything. And he works it all according to his will. He either causes it or permits it. But there's nothing that happens against the will of God. Ultimately, it will all work out like God ordained it. That's the God of the Bible. Anyway. But he lays the axe to the root of the trees. Yeah, we believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in the doctrines of God's election. Unconditional election we do. We believe it all. But we also believe that man is absolutely responsible. And you don't have a verse in the Bible that states that any better than this one. This is about as clear as there is there. He said, uh, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you all have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Well, sound to me like they're in trouble. And they are. But then he says, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. There was no way you're going to kill the Son of God and keep him in the grave. Can't do it. Anyway, now let me go on over in verse 39. Well, 38. Campbellites think they know something about this verse, but they don't. They built their whole denomination on this verse. On one word in this verse. A preposition that they completely mistranslated. Misused. Well, look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, oh, we've got to give a big invitation. No, no. With all of the cans on on that day, and there were many that were added to the church. Uh, many of them. 3,000 in verse 41. And then verse 47. As many as should be saved daily. <laughs> A lot of people joined that church. Uh, they never had an invitation. They never sang 18 verses of just as I am. Never did any such thing. Never had a preacher down front crying, Go oh, all come down here and you got old mama in heaven you want to see. That's what you get. Oh, y'all be quiet. We're the most important part of the service is our invitation. Don't have that here. Peter preached the gospel. Amen. In no uncertain terms. In verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Who did that work? Holy Spirit. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Listen. 
He just quit preaching, didn't say nothing else. They said, what should we do? And he said, repent. He didn't say, repent of your sins. He said, repent. You can't repent of your sins. You don't even know how many sins you've committed. Repent is have another mind towards God. There's the thing. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's the word for. Same word as Jesus used in Matthew 12. The Ninevites preached, or they repented because of the preaching of Jonah. Same word, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the remission of sins. And you all shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't have time to do this, but I tell you what, I'd love to take you to Acts 19 right now. Because I'm telling you, somebody that tries, and I'll tell you some big names have done it. Try to interpret Acts 19 without this, they can't do it. In Acts 19, uh, Paul found those disciples. And he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Ain't nobody that knows what they're doing would ever ask a question like that to find out if somebody's saved. That is not a question you ask to find out if somebody's saved. Because the Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his if you are the Lord's, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, or else you would never, never say that He's Lord. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12. So anyway, he says, For the promises unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, that's us, Gentiles, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then let me go on. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now what I want to give you this is, right in this scripture, Acts 1 and 2, we find the four points of scriptural baptism. All they that gladly received his word. That is, they were saved. They were baptized, immersed. Not in order to save them, but because they're already saved. Amen. And to give a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And they did it through the authority of the Lord's church. Yes. And it's all right here, all four points. Let's all stand.